How many of you know that the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles? All right, I think one person called that. You guys are still saying hi to one. You're such a fellowship in church. I just love that about you guys. Yeah. Danny, you know what that reminded me of whenever you were throwing that little teaser out there? You remember the TV series 24? Yeah? How many of you guys remember that? Yeah, Jack Bauer. Yeah. I, lo- I loved that show. I had a love-hate relationship with it. I loved it, but I hated it because, like, it would always end on a cliffhanger. Didn't even get the toot, 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 And it was the end of You're like, no! And you had to wait another week. So you guys are going to have to wait another week. So, but I love it. God's doing some great things. And guess what? The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. Church, I hope today to stir your faith. I hope to get you to believe God for great things. Because if you can believe God for great things, I promise you that he can do it. There is nothing too difficult for him, nothing too great for him. We have just got to believe God. Amen? Amen. Hey, I want to, um, first of all, tell the worship team how much we love and appreciate these guys. Thank you guys for all you guys do. You guys are amazing. I wanted to start by reading something that I came across this week that I thought that might bless you guys. It's a story of a Minneapolis couple who had decided to go to Florida to thaw out during a particularly icy winter. They planned to stay at the same hotel where they had done their honeymoon some 20 years earlier. Because of their hectic schedule, it was difficult for them to coordinate their travel plans. And so the husband left Minnesota and flew to Florida on Thursday while his wife planned to come the following day. The husband checked into the hotel. There was a computer in his room. So he decided to send an email to his wife. However, he accidentally left out one letter in her email address and sent the email uh, to someone else, not realizing the error. Meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, a widow had just returned from her husband's funeral. You see where this is going, right? He was a Baptist minister who was just called home to glory following a heart attack. The widow decided to check her email, expecting that some of her friends and loved ones was probably going to be uh, sending some condolences through email. But after reading Her first email, she screamed and she fainted. The widow's son rushed into the room, found his mother on the floor, and saw the computer screen, which read, To my loving wife. Subject, I just arrived today. I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now. And you are allowed to send emails to your loved ones. Since I just arrived... I thought that I would send you an email. Everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. P.S. Sure is hot down here. This is one of those things that they don't teach you in seminary and how to transition 
So there's always prayer. And so <laughs> we're going to pray now, church. Uh, that's good stuff. I thought you guys would enjoy that. Laughter's medicine for the soul. Amen. Let, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your, your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your, your, your grace, oh God. And we just thank you, Lord, that there is a time to laugh, God, that a joyful heart is medicine to the soul. Now I ask, God, that you would prepare our hearts to receive the seed of your word. May our hearts be found as fertile soil. May you open our ears to hear what your spirit desires to speak to each and every one of our lives. I also ask, God, that if there's anyone here today that does not know you, that you would move on the hearts of those by the power of your Holy Spirit and that they would respond by surrendering their lives to you. So have your way in this place. May you be glorified in everything that's said and done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, listen, if you're just joining us, we are bringing our series marked to a closure. Last week, I shared several thoughts on the subject of prayer, and I just wanted to end this series by bringing a little more perspective on that same topic. And so I'm just going to begin by saying this. I just encourage you to take notes. By the way, I'm going to throw a lot at you today. You start by writing this down if you want. The conduit by which God chooses to give good things into our lives is prayer. Let me say it one more time. The conduit by which God chooses to give good things into our lives is prayer. Now, I didn't make that up or come to that conclusion on my own, but God laid out this principle in his word that you do not have because you do not ask God. That's James 4, 2. See, you can miss out on something that God may desire to do in your life for the very fact that you never took the time to bring that request before God. And this principle needs to be taught because there are many believers who just simply think, if God wants to do something in my life, well, it's, it's just going to happen regardless of what we do. But I'm here to tell you that God's word says differently. There are things in our life that we have not received simply because these things were never brought to God in prayer. Now, you've got to understand that this principle right here is one that you see consistent throughout all of Scripture. It's not just in the New Testament, but all throughout the entire Bible, we see this clear and concise truth that when God's people call upon the name of the Lord, the Lord hears and he answers prayer. As a matter of fact, whenever you go back all the way to the very beginning and you read through the book of Genesis, the first people who belonged to God, they weren't called Jews. That, that came later on. They were called people who call upon the name of the Lord. As a matter of fact, you'll see this consistency all throughout Scripture. We see it first in Genesis 4, 26, where it says, At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. We read about it with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob who would call upon the name of the Lord. In Zechariah 13 and verse 9, it says, They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God. And then whenever we look in the New Testament, for example, when we look at Acts 2 verse 21, it says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Now, Dr. Luke wrote that in the book of Acts, but then whenever you turn to the next book of the Bible, Romans, Paul wrote in chapter 10 and verse 13 a very similar thing. He says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we see all throughout God's word that we're given this constant reminder that we are to be a people who call upon the name of the Lord. A people who pray. But I want you to understand the intent of God's desire toward prayer. You see, God is not scolding us when we don't pray. But rather, he has given us an invitation to come before him. Hebrews 4 and verse 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. What does that mean to approach God's throne of grace? That means that there's nothing that we can do to deserve to be able to become or to come before his throne. That's what grace is. It's unmerited favor. So then let us approach God's throne of grace. What? With confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And friends, I can tell you what is absolutely true about each and every one of us. And that is that we all have needs. Like my needs may differ from your needs, but we all have them. Yet what we often do is we try to meet those needs in our own strength and ability. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, what's wrong with working hard to get what you want? Well, there's, there's nothing wrong with hard work. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that in whatever you do, work uh, heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. But I'm here to tell you that there are some things in life that no matter how hard you work, that hard work will not get you to your God-ordained destination. How do I know that? Because God is the one who ordained your life. And he has purposed it in such a way that you will only reach your destiny, like fully reach your destiny if you call upon him. See, I think this is what David was referring to. When he said in Psalm 127, verse 1, he says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. You see, there are things that God has called us to do. Things that God desires to do both in us and through us. And the only way that you're going to reach the finish line is if you call upon the name of the Lord. Listen, I grew up in a household that understood the importance of of, of hard work, and we should be hard workers, amen? But just know that there are some things from God that your hard work simply can't earn. Like, for example, hard work won't give you a peace of mind. Hard work won't give you fullness of joy. Now, it can give you those things in part, right? But the whole belongs to God. Y'all with me this morning? Like, try working your way into having rest in your spirit and see how that works out for you. You can't do it. Why? Because there are spiritual needs that can only be met by spiritual means. The problem that we have in the body of Christ today is that we are doing one or two things. We're either working to attain those things in our own strength and ability, which eventually, kind of just tell you, is going to cause burnout, or... We're looking for something or someone else to do it for us. But you see, the problem is neither one of those work. Because I can't work hard enough to meet a spiritual need. And I can't expect someone else to meet my spiritual need. 
Hello, parents of teenagers, don't expect the youth pastor to do it for you. Don't expect me to do it for you either. See? Those efforts, they're in vain. They're in vain when we do it on our own. Again, spiritual needs are not met by spiritual means. And watch this. Spiritual things come from God alone. Friends, what I'm trying to do this morning is to stir you to call upon the name of the Lord, to pray, and to pray often, to trust God in all things, and to trust him before all things. Someone once said, the situation is getting really bad. I guess all we can do is pray, to which someone replied, dear God, did it come to that? (laughs) I said this last week, but I'll say it again. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Now, since uh, football season is upon us, and how many of you guys are grateful for that? Jeremy, I better see your hand up, all right? (laughs) Um, Let me ask you a question. If the game was on the line, would you rather put the ball in Zach Wilson's hands, or would you rather put it in Tom Brady's hands? Some of you are like, who's Zach Wilson? Exactly. That's my point, right? I can promise you this, he didn't get drafted in my fantasy football league, okay? Now, here's what I'm going with this. Many believers are handling their problems and their situations themselves, or they're looking to someone else to hand them. But watch this. God is the GOAT. That's greatest of all times for those of you who don't know the GOAT acronym, okay? He is the greatest of all times. We need to take them out of our hands and keep Quit putting it on someone else's hands and trust it to God. We'd be foolish to look to ourselves or to someone else outside of God. Biblical history has shown us that every time that God or that people ran into difficulty, that whenever they called upon the name of the Lord, the Lord met them right where they were. Church, I think that we need to develop like some spiritual muscle memory in our life. I'm talking about Resolving in our hearts that we are going to turn to God before we do anything else. I'll tell you this. I know that in my life, there have been many times that I have jumped the gun. Times whenever I leaned on my own understanding, thinking that I didn't need to pray. Like, you know, I, I know what to do here. Thinking that I knew what was best. And can I just tell you, many of those times, and some of you can testify to this, ended up in heartache and pain. Can I tell you what? I often see for, for, for many Christians, it's that their life is absolutely plagued with worry. But watch this. If you will pray as much as you worry, you'd have a whole lot less to be worried about. As a matter of fact, can I just say this? If you have time to worry, you have time to pray. One of the things we learned from Scripture about the early church is that they constantly prayed. As a matter of fact, the birth of the church came as a result of a prayer meeting. Just to give you a little sneak peek into our next series that we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be going through the book of Acts, and we're going to be diving into the things that the early church did. How many of you know that if we'll look at the things that the church has done and God's word told us to do, then we're going to see similar results, amen? But what we see today, sadly and unfortunately, is many of the things that we read about are non-existent in the church. And so what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at just one of those stories, and we're going to 
allow this to kind of be the closure of our March series, and we're going to use today's message to kind of serve as a springboard into our new series, which I'm calling All In. It's time to be all in. It's time to get out of the kiddie pool. Are, are you with me? Some of y'all been in a kiddie pool for 5, 10, and 20 years. It's time to dive in. Amen? And we're going to dive into it. So um, let's dive into Acts chapter 12 for right now. Go ahead and turn there. Don't worry, I'm not going to hit the whole chapter. Once we do go through the book of Acts, we'll talk about the remainder of that chapter. But I do want to read the first part of Acts 12, starting in verse 1. Some of y'all brought your Bibles, didn't you? Because I heard more pages. Oh, I love that. Bible says it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handling over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. He's got 16 guys. I can do that math, even though I'm a Kentucky boy. Uh, 16 men there guarding Peter. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. You know, that sentence right there in Greek, it's sometimes translated as, and a steady stream of prayer kept going up to God for Peter. Now, try and picture this scene, if you could, just for a moment. Imagine your pastor is being arrested for preaching the gospel. And the person who has arrested you is a madman who's already had James, the brother of John, put to death. What would you do? You know, there's a time and there's a place for everything under heaven. There's a time to sing. There's a time to read your Bible. There's a time for generosity and, and giving. But there are other times that the only appropriate thing to do is to pray. You see, the church, they didn't have any influence over the Roman government. They didn't have any connection with the religious leaders or those that were in the temple. They certainly didn't have any influence with Herod because Herod hated them. And they didn't have any money to where they could try and work out a deal to get Peter out. They had nothing, yet they had everything because they had God. I think what many Christians do today is they try and work every angle and advantage that they can in hopes of getting what they want. And so they work their connections. They work their influences. They throw their money at their problems. But watch this. The early church didn't have any of these things. So what did they do? They prayed. They called upon the name of the Lord. They remembered the words of our Lord that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Friend, don't lose heart. Pray and keep praying. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. With man, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You know, there's a growing movement in Christianity today, and it's 
predominantly in our nation, that's anti-supernatural. It's called cessationism. It's a belief that all you need to do is just fill your head with knowledge. And that the miraculous doesn't happen any longer. It's the belief that God no longer heals. It's the belief that God no longer speaks to and through his people. And watch this. They will use words, and you're going to hear them, words like strange fire, right? Or wildfire. Hey, you know what? I'd rather have wildfire than no fire. Are you hearing me? But they will declare that the working of the miraculous, it's fanaticism or emotionalism. Whenever I gave my life to Christ, so grateful that I became a part of a church where the miraculous was normal. Now, look, I'm either sitting here and lying to you, I'm crazy, or I'm telling you the truth. And I'm telling you that I'm telling the truth. I got to be a part of that. It's what's lit the fire in me that'll burn till the day Jesus comes back or I breathe my last breath. I saw people supernaturally healed. I watched God change the heart of some of the hardest drug addicts and set them free. Give them a new heart. I was there whenever they told my friend Jeff to go home and to get his affairs in order because there wasn't anything that they could do for his heart condition. By the way, it's been 20 years, and Jeff just wrote a book and got it on Amazon. I encourage it, and he's still one of our board members for Destiny Church. Come on. Listen, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's just because man builds a doctrine trying to justify their lack of understanding and how God works or the fact that they're not seeing miracles in their own lives doesn't negate the truth that God still does miracles. And you need to know that he's a miracle-working God because God will inevitably allow all of us to be in a situation at some point in time to where you'll need a miracle. Hey, be, be told that your wife has lymphoma and, and, and think that you can work your influences or fill your head with knowledge about that. Be told that you've got a brain tumor and anywhere between three months and a year, you're probably going to die. And then go and, and see how much you can stick your head in the books or how many connections or how many dollar signs you have at your bank account. You're going to need the miraculous, folks. You're going to need God to move. Talking about moments in our life where your family and your friends, they can't help, nor will they fully understand. I'm talking about moments where the bills are due and there isn't enough money in the account and there's no place where you can get a loan. Talking about the times when the doctor calls with a report about your health and no matter how many of those oils that you have, ladies, that you rub on your body and breathe them in, it won't fix the situation. Some of y'all look at me, but Pastor Chris, there's nothing wrong with those oils. Please don't message me. I'm not hating on your oils. My wife, God knows she's got that stuff on my pillow. She puts it on my cell phone. It's all over. It's okay, babe. Um, it's all good. It's got its purpose. I like that disclaimer I threw out there because you know someone's going to face message me about that, right? Ain't nothing wrong with that, Pastor. I use that stuff. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. I'm just saying there comes a point in a time that you don't have what's in the medicine cabinet. And the doctor can't write a script because there's no cure for it. It's at that place 
that we're to call upon the great physician, Jesus. And so this is the place that we find Peter, where the church had nothing but prayer. Let's keep reading in verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial. God's never early, but he's never late. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. The sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought that he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through. When they had walked through the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and says, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel. You know, whenever you walk through something, an experience with Jesus, do you know that a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument? I mean, it's so hard because when I talk to people, and I understand, I, I was doing it this week. I was witnessing to several people, and there's a, one la lady in particular looked like she treated me like I had a third eye or something. And I, I was just honest with her. I said, look, I know this isn't going to make sense to you, but you got to know that I'm either lying to you, and why would I want to do that? I'm just telling you that God wants to reveal himself to his people. And when you have an encounter with God, it will radically mess you. It'll wreck you. And so Peter comes back and he says, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. I don't know about you, but I love reading this story because it reminds me of what I know to be true, and that is that God hears the prayers of his people and that he answers prayer. But let me also say that there is a kind of a mystery to prayer, if you will. And what I mean by that is in our praying, we don't always know when, where, how, what, or even why. The only thing that we can say with certainty is who. And the who is God. It is God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think according to his power, which is at work within us. And here's the thing about prayer. Like sometimes God will pray and just like you throw out one sentence and he meets that prayer. He answers that prayer. Well, at other times it may require you pressing in for weeks and weeks. While yet, yet again, it seems as to where it seems we pray and we pray and, and years will go by. And I know there's been times in my life where I, I've prayed and again, God would move at that exact moment and times where I would pray and it's like pressure, it's almost like pressure builds up with prayer. I don't know what all that looks like in the spirit, like we know in part, we see in part, but that pressure builds up. And by the way, if that pressure is building up and you're feeling the resistance, always know that the resistance is the greatest right before the breakthrough. And so if you're feeling resistance, hold on. Don't give up. Hey, Joshua, don't stop on day six. He who has ear, let him hear. Are you with me? But I also know that there are other things in my life that I've been praying for for years, and it hasn't happened yet. But watch this. I'm not going to stop praying. 
I'm not going to stop praying. Now, maybe you're here and you're saying, well, why doesn't God answer all prayer the same? <laughs> well, to that question, I just want to ask, are you a parent? <laughs> like, do you like, answer your, your kids' requests all the same? No, of course not. Why? Probably because you're a good parent, right? You know that if you give them everything that your kid asks for, it's going to spoil them. But if you never give them anything, you're going to cause them to be dejected and in despair. And then there are other times that the answer isn't no, it's just not yet. Right? Well, God is a good father. And he knows exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. Yet there are times that God only gives his yes once we've turned to him in prayer. And then the passage of scripture that we just read, we can see that there are a few things here that, that God did as a result of whenever the church prayed and called upon the name of the Lord. In verse 7, it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. I want to encourage you to write this first point right here down. When the church prays, God sends something from heaven. I'm talking about something that's not man-made. You can't create it. You can't schedule it. You can't manufacture it. It's supernatural. In Peter's case, it was an angel. In others' case, it's a deep sense of his presence. For some, it's the prayers of those who have prayed for loved ones who don't know Christ, and those prayers have moved the heart of God to move on the hearts of those lost, causing them to become aware of their need for Jesus and turning to Jesus as Savior. I can tell you this. I am convinced, 100% convinced that I'm standing here today because I had a mom who fervently prayed for me. I'm talking about nights that I came home, stoned out of my mind, and I would hear her standing outside my door, interceding to God on my behalf. Parent, I just need to say this to a parent right now. God hears your prayers. That's for about 35 people right now that needs to hear that. Even those of you that have adult kids. I think that might even be more for adult kids right now just as much as the young. But listen, God hears the prayer of parents. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. Keep believing God. God answers prayer. I can tell you this. When I was 16 years old, I had a lady who pulled me out of a car wreck and prayed over me. And she prayed, he's going to live and not die and proclaim your praises. And you know what? A year later, well, first of all, I didn't die, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Throw out the obvious there. A year later, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And what was the prayer? He's going to live and not die and proclaim your praises. I lived. A year later, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Three years later, I married that lady's granddaughter. Four years later, I became an ordained minister. Five years later, after her husband passed, she got remarried, and I performed the wedding ceremony. Church, listen, when we pray, the miraculous happens. I've got, I don't have enough stories to tell you all the times that I've seen God. I could sit here and tell you. for I, is, is that okay? Is it tell you a story? I tell you about a time when I was 18 years old, and we were in Mennonite country. And we were there, I was with a friend of mine, Greg Reed, and it came a hellacious storm. Is hellacious a bad word? That's not a bad word, is it? 
fitties, y'all can omit that later on, and y'all just love me and show me some grace. I don't know. I never know. I'm from Kentucky. We use words sometimes anyway. But we had a hellacious snow. <laughs> it was about a good 16 inches. And we were at a community group there. We called them life groups back then, cell groups, community groups. There's so many names for it. But anyway, we were there, and uh, it came such a big, crazy snow that the community group leader wasn't able to be there. But I was an assistant a community group leader. By the way, those of you that are thinking, man, I'd love to be able to be used by God someday, you don't have to go right into leading a community group. Be an assistant community group leader. Come and help that person. Are you with me? That's where I started. That's how I cut my teeth on ministry. And so they, they, uh, they weren't there. Well, I was already prepared because I was an assistant. So I went ahead and, and I did the community group. And then my friend, Greg, uh, he says, hey, we need to get back home. And I said, man, we can't drive in this. No joke, the guy drove a Volkswagen Golf. The only thing that would be better if the story was if it was a Volkswagen Rabbit, but i got to be honest, it was a Golf. But it was pretty similar. I think it was like its stepbrother or something, right? And I said, man, you can't drive in that thing. He was, oh, yeah, I can drive in this thing. Now, we're in the hills of Kentucky, right? And so he wants to drive in about 16 inches of snow. You all have no frame of reference for that in Florida. I get that. But like you don't need to be driving even if you got a big old truck with chains on it in 16 inches of snow. But I trusted him. He's a little older than me. I said, okay. And plus, I didn't want to be left in Mennonite country for who knows how long. So I said, okay, I'll go with you. We drive a couple miles. We start to go over a hill. Hills like you've probably never seen unless you've driven in Georgia or Tennessee or Kentucky. And it's a big hill, no guardrails. And then all of a sudden, as he's hitting the brakes, it caught. And we started sliding. And you could feel the, the, the direction and trajectory in which we were going. We were going over the cliff. Now, my buddy, because sometimes the only prayer that you've got is one word. But that one word is enough, and you know what that is, don't you? Yeah. He said to the top of his lungs, Jesus! And I don't understand all the ways of God because I'm not God. <laughs> if you think you know all the ways of God... You don't, all right? And then all of a sudden, the vehicle, it was as if, if you could just imagine grabbing a Hot Wheel and just moving it over. It went from this direction to all of a sudden, it slid away. It shouldn't have slid. And we went back to the other side, and we bottomed out. And whenever we bottomed out, didn't have a wreck, didn't hit anything, just came to a nice, smooth stop. My buddy got out of the car. I got out of the car. We felt a holy moment at that moment. And then, now watch this. I'm grateful for those of you that know me. So you know I'm not crazy. Like, if you're new here at Destiny, you're like, I'm thinking, man, is this guy kind of crazy? Maybe I am a little crazy, but I won't lie to you. I'll tell you what happened that day. I opened that car door, and we're both standing there. And I looked, and what I saw, and my buddy saw it at the same time, and he confirmed it to me before I confirmed what I saw. See, that right there really stoked me. It'd been one thing if I'd have said, hey, man, did you see this? He said, oh, yeah, man, I saw that too. He said it first. I saw a ball of light that was a, a little bit bigger than, about the size of a cantaloupe. Now, there was nothing within miles of us, okay? I'm, I mean, nothing. No electricity. They don't have electricity in the Mennonite country, okay? So there's like no electricity, nothing like that. And I see this ball about this size, and it's moving like this. If this is my hand, it's going as fast as you. I mean, just, I mean, it looked like something you see on Disney with a little fairy, like, and, and, I'm, and it's very bright. It doesn't have a beam on it, right? It's just, and, and I'm sitting there looking at it like, 
whoa. Now, some people might be like, oh, well, you're a psychosomatic, Chris, because you were just in Iraq and that made you think this. Okay, all right, well, go ahead and pull in the probability of this. What would be the probability of two of us being psychosomatic seeing the exact same thing? Because when I saw it, I turned to look at my buddy. He turned to look at me at the exact same time, and we both said, did you see that at the same time? And then the very next words out of his mouth first was, that ball of light. And I'm like, okay, whoa. Say, what was that? Well, I don't know for sure, but I'll tell you what I think it was. What was it? It was an angel. Better believe it was. What did we do? Prayed one word, Jesus. And Jesus met. Sometimes that's all that you can muster up. If you've never been at that place before, you know what I'm talking about. But you need to be prepared in that moment. But that's all you need is Jesus. Church, write this down. This is so important. So important. When the church prays, God sends something from heaven. I'm talking about resources that you cannot find here on this earth. God sends something from heaven. And thank God he does because I don't know about you, but in my life, I feel like I regularly need something from heaven, okay? I need something that only he can do. See, I've tried pulling myself up by my bootstraps and take on my opposition. But you know what? I've settled on something. I have a black belt, okay? Just, I'm a tough guy. Um, but let me tell you something. I'm not as strong as I think I am. I'm talking about whenever it comes to the things in life, it doesn't matter what you can karate chop your way out of. It doesn't matter who you know. Are you, are you with me? I think that we have Christians today, they think that they are stronger than what they are. And what I mean by that is they think that they don't need God. I heard one man say, God, get me through this one and I'll get myself through the next one. What a foolish statement. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, really, man? You can't even get yourself through the first one. What makes you think all of a sudden you're going to become Superman and get yourself through the next? Church, write this down. God is attracted to weakness. He cannot resist when we humbly and honestly tell him how desperately we need him. When we are empty vessels, he longs to fill us with his grace, his love, and his goodness. It's what I like to call God's law of attraction. My wife often says to me, you're attractive when you're humble. Guys, might I not just suggest to you that hitting the gym five days a week and working on that six-pack uh, just to win you a few looks from your wife, um, that, that, that's, that's all fine and good. But watch this. If you really want to be attractive to her, be humble. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit what? The earth. But you see, most men, they refuse to be meek because they're afraid that they're going to be seen as a punk. But watch this and catch this, men. And, and our ladies need to hear this too. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Hello? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He says, you want to know how to be a man? Like, like, look at me. For I am what? Meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. Maybe if you'll be a little more humble, a little more meek, you might find some rest, guys. I'm just saying. I'm telling you that because I love you. 
You know, I find it interesting that in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, and we read this scripture often when it says, if my people who are called by my name, watch this, will what? Humble themselves and what? Pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. You see, prayer must be accompanied by humility. Remember the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector? Remember? Two men went up to the temple to pray. The Pharisee and a tax collector, the Pharisee, went up and he prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, adulterers, liars, even like this tax collector over here. He says, God, I, I tithe of all that I have. I fast twice a week. But then the tax collector who stood back afar would even lift his face up toward heaven, beat his breast, and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And what did Jesus say? He said, that person is the one who went home right before God that day. Now let's look at the next thing that we see from our story in Acts that come as a result of prayer. So something came from heaven. And then in Acts 12, 7, it says, the angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up. See, that's another thing that will come as a result of us praying. He wakes people up. Hey, maybe you have someone in your family, someone in your workplace, maybe a friend, and they're sleeping. Not physically, but they are spiritually asleep. And you've tried sharing the gospel with them, but it's as if there's scales on their eyes and their ears are deaf. Friends, that's when it's time to pray. That's the time that we ask God to wake them up. I heard a story many years ago about Smith Wigglesworth, who had been traveling and doing ministry all over the world. And Smith was staying in the home of a young couple. They let him stay at their house. And while he was there, uh, he slept in their bed. Now, the woman was a believer, but the man was not. And as he was leaving, the woman came to Smith and says, but Smith, Smith, my husband, he's not given his life to, to the Lord yet. Would you please go to him? Would you please go to him? And, and, and this is what Smith said. He says, go and pray. Then he said something else, which I find really interesting, but I think there's a learning point here. He went and he told her to not change the sheets on his bed. How many of you guys understand that there are some things that God will call you to do and his directives just don't make sense? I mean, think about being Noah, right? Try building an ark where it hasn't rained in 40 years in the middle of a desert and be given that directive. Okay, I've lost my mind here, right? No, it's the directive of God. And God's ways are not our ways, guys. Let me say that again. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher than ours. And so that's what happened. She did that very thing. And later that night, the husband got home, took a bath, and went to bed. And then in the middle of the night, God woke him up. He woke up in a pool of sweat because God had given him a dream, a vision about hell. And it shook the man so much that when he woke up, he fell on his face to God and surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And friends, can I just tell you something? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God still moves like that today. He still wakes people up. Some of you parents who you've been praying to see change in your kids, pray. Pray and don't stop 
praying. Be like the widow who constantly came before the, the king. Listen, this truth is very critical at this point in time in our country because we have people who are asleep as to what's happening right here in our own nation. Like I talk to people all the time about all the evils that's happening in our country. But again, they're asleep to everything that's happening around them. And watch this. No matter how well of of a crafted debate you bring to their front door, you could be Ben Shapiro and have this great debate. But watch this. It's going to take God to change their hearts. Why do we think that we can put together and formulate this great debate and we're going to change people's minds? It's God that draws men unto repentance. It's God that will give them the heart of flesh instead of a, a heart of stone. It's God that can change a man. Again, it's if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So if you want to see healing in our land, we must pray. And we pray that God will begin to wake up those who are asleep. And can I just say that that needs to start in the church? Don't think that I'm just talking about the world. Matter of fact, in Ephesians 5, verse 14, it says, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Watch this. We need to pray this scripture right here over every pastor in this nation. We need to pray that scripture right there over every politician in our nation, every political leader. We need to pray this over our professors, that God will go in and get those atheistic ones that are against God and that God will give them a dream. We need to pray this over our parents. Are you with me? Church, our country needs an awakening. I don't know if you know your history, but there's been four great uh, awakenings in our country. And guess what? Every single one of them has been birthed from the place of prayer. And hey, I don't know about you, but I am ready for a fifth. Look, I may not be able to bring a great awakening. Only God can do that. But bless God, I can pray. If, hmm, if my people. That's only going to come if. My people will pray. How many of you took the challenge to pray for an hour for the last seven days? Okay, now how many of you actually did it? Raise your hand. Okay. If I were Jesus, I might say to you, could you not tarry for an hour? You say, Pastor, that's, that's pretty condemning. No, I'm not trying to call you out. I'm just trying to call you up. Are you with me? There's a difference. There's a difference. I'm calling you to step into your God-ordained purpose and praying. Church, we're not going to see Jesus move. I sit here and talk about revival all day long. We need to pray. We need to seek the face of God. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't how much theology you have in your head if you don't put it into application. Are you with me? Church, I challenge you again. I'm going to throw it out again, and hopefully this time I'll get more than eight hands get raised. I don't know about you, but my heart hurts because I want to see God move in my city. My heart burns for this city. I love this city. There's people broken. Everywhere I go, I don't care if it's the barbershop or it's into Winn-Dixie, there's broken, hurting people. And a well-formulated argument isn't going to change that. It isn't going to change them. It's going to be when the church prays. When we pray, 
God does what only he can do. When we pray, that's when we see the supernatural take place. You say, Pastor, I've never seen an angel like that. Pastor, I, I, I don't know anybody else other than you that's been pulled out of a car. Right? I've never seen. You know what? A lot of times the reason we haven't seen God move like that is all we've done is prayed. If I can just say this enough because I love you, we've put a 60-second half-hearted prayer, and we've expected God to move. Jeremiah 29.11, we quote it so many times. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. But we forget to read verse 12 and 13 says, then you will go and you will pray to me and you will seek me. The word seek means to seek and to continue to seek. He says, then you will find me when you search for me. Watch this, with all of your heart. It's no coincidence that God spoke these two words to me in our next series, all in. It's time for us to be all in. If we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, it's time, it's time to get rid of lukewarm in the church. We need to be on one side or on the other. And, and, but, but for me in my house, I'm going to choose the Lord. Though none go with me, if I'm up here preaching by myself on Sunday morning, I'm going to preach the gospel and I'm going to reach this city, but I hope that a handful here will come with me and that they will seek God. And if they will, we'll be like the 12 who turned into the 120. That's about how many we got in this room right now. And bless God, just like that, 3,000 got saved and Christianity explode. Why not here? Well, what did they do differently? Don't clap just yet. What did they do differently? They pray. You say, I don't know how to pray. I said this last week. That's okay. Just show up. It ain't about what you're going to say anyway. Just show up. Just, just like give in here and say, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm here. Say, Pastor, yeah, but I, I got all this stuff in my baggage. And, and you, think God, you think God doesn't know that? He doesn't invite us to come like perfect. He invites us to come as we are. That, like that's the whole point is we need to be able to come through him because of grace. And look back at verse 7 for a moment. It says, the angel struck Peter on the side. He woke him up. And he said, get up quickly. And watch this. The chains fell off of his hands. I'm here to tell you that chains will break when you pray. The things that have kept us down, that has held us back, must break under the power of God's spirit when his people pray. So here's where people have a misnomer about prayer. Prayer is not preparation for the battle. It is the battle. Oh, that's so good. I hope you caught that. Because we're praying thinking that we're preparing for something else. No, it's like not to get us to the, the, the greater thing. It is the greater thing. See, the devil understands this point all too well. That's why in the church, prayer meetings are the least attended events of all things in the church. Yet we wonder why the church is impotent. Church today is a call to pray. To start praying and don't stop. As Thessalonians 5.16 says, pray without ceasing. So how do I do that, Pastor? I've got to go to work. You know, that, uh, quit, get out of your head. Prayer just means there's a constant communion with God. That means I'm always being aware. Because you know what? Like, like I also own a business. You guys, many of you guys know that, right? And so you know, you know the reason I do that is because I went in the marketplace so that I can reach people. Because there's been a lot of people that I've got to lead to the Lord because of being in the marketplace. Now, 95% of you or 98% of you maybe in this room, you're in the marketplace in some form or fashion, right? 
Like, don't get in there and just see that as your way of bringing home the bacon and making a living. No, that's your calling. And God wants you to shine your light there. Are you with me? I have to tell you this. I spent an hour in prayer with a handful of you. Some of you, about 25 of you last Sunday night. Those that were there know. But uh, it wrecked me. It wrecked me in a good way. Because I had some discouragement that I had in my life. Sure, I did. I'm being honest. Is it okay to be honest? That's the only way I know to be. I was discouraged. So I'm like, man, what's going on? I'm not seeing things happen in the church the way... And I was discouraged, and, and you know, and, and, and I'll be honest, I, 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 sometimes I, I want to present myself as, man, I've got it all together, and because and I've, I've got to be the leader, and everybody's got to look to me. But I was discouraged. We prayed for an hour. I said, Lord, I'm discouraged. The Lord says, ask your people to pray, to pray for you. I said, Lord, is it okay to be vulnerable? Is that, is that all right? And the Lord's like, you think? <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah. And so I went and I shared that with my people, and um, they prayed over me and laid hands on me, and the Holy Spirit fell on me, and the power of God hit me so strong. Look, I don't care if you believe me or not. I, I just don't care. I'm just telling you the truth. The power of God hit me so strong that I, I couldn't stand up. I fell on the ground and cried uncontrollably for about 40 minutes, and I'm going to tell you what happened. It came at the end of an hour of prayer and people laying hands on me. I got up and I had a lot of discouragement. I'm just being honest. But I'll tell you what, I came up off of that floor after a few people helped me. (laughs) And um, I didn't have a care in the world on me. No, no, I'm telling you the truth. I'm standing and testifying before God. I did not have a care in the one. And I had a lot on my mind, right? I always got... So many things on my mind, and I didn't have none, like not a care in the world. Guys, that is a free place to be, and you can be there. We've got to live there, but watch this, and this is even true in my life. I can't just be a one-time experience because that was great for that day, but you know what? The enemy has his ways of right when you're having a breakthrough to come back in and throw weight right back on you. You say, well, what are you supposed to do then? We're supposed to pray without ceasing. We're supposed to be constantly in communion with God. Every time something comes our way, we just pass it on to him. All of a sudden, a weight comes our way, and it's like, nope, Lord, trusting it to you. I, I, I'll give you one. I, I read that, that, that Regal's about ready to get bankrupt, right? And now, don't worry. They, they tell me that we're going to stay here for a while, you know, whatever. But you know what? Immediately, as soon as it came, I was like, oh, man, does that mean that, you know, who knows what that means? And, and then immediately, thank God I'm married a woman of faith. He says, God's going to provide with a big smile on her face. I said, you're right. I give that back to God. And you know what? Then that thing left, that anxiety left. I'm talking about trusting things to God. Letting go, because watch this, here in America, we're bad about this, because in America, we've got all these resources at our disposal, and all these advantages, and all these connections, and we've learned, we've learned how to put cheat codes into our game, right? Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start. If you're in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. 007-373-5963, Tyson, baby, all right? Somebody's like, what's he talking about? If you know, you know. If he has ears, let him hear. <laughs> But we've got all these cheat codes. We've got all these. Look, I can just look it up on YouTube and I can figure it out. Uh Uh-uh. There's some things that you can't figure out. And your doctor can't figure out. You've just got to trust it to God. You've got to believe God. Let me share one more point with you. 
Oh, help me, Lord. Uh, the angel <laughs> woke Peter up. <laughs> Wake Chris up. <laughs> Told him to get up and quickly get dressed and to follow him. And it says, whenever they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord. And they went out, and they went along one street, and immediately the angel left them. I mentioned this last week, but I feel like that it was just so important that I at least reiterated it one more time. There are some doors that only prayer will open. Peter and the angel, they didn't have to go grab a battering ram in order to get the gate open. It opened on its own accord. Look, I don't know about you, but I have been guilty of kicking down doors that had I trusted God to open them for me, I would have saved myself a lot of trouble. I know that none of you have ever done that, right? Like none of you have never knee-jerk reacted and posted a comment on someone's social media post. Hmm? Every person that's ever cut you off in traffic and you've waved at them, you prayed for them, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you're so holy and perfect. I hope I can be like you one day. <laughs> I know better. I know you. <laughs> or, hey, watch this. Maybe you're really not the person who goes and kicks doors down. Like you've never done anything like that. But you're the person who never did anything. Like you stood at the door and, and, and you never even knocked. See, I'm not so sure that the one is better than the other. How about this? Let's be neither. Amen? Let's knock, pray, and trust God to open the door. And until he opens that door, we wait patiently for him, trusting that his timing is perfect. Because faith in God also means faith in his timing. Timing is perfect, and it is. Colossians 4.3, Paul said, and pray for us too, that God may open for us a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. We read this last week, but it just goes to confirm that there are some doors that will only be opened through prayer. Now, I'm going to bring this message to a close, but I want you to know this about God. God has chosen prayer as his channel of blessing. He has spread a table for us with every kind of wisdom, grace, and strength because he knows exactly what we need. But the only way that we can get it is to pull up to the table and taste and see that the Lord is good. And pulling up to the table is called the prayer of faith. And so I just want to ask everyone to stand with me if you would, please. And I just want to ask, and I think it's really interesting because Christian Brown certainly had no idea what I was speaking about, but I'm ending on the exact same question that he presented to you. Now, when something gets said and it's unsolicited like that, pay attention, because this is what I wrote earlier this week. What do you need God to do in your life? I think that was word for word what you said, wasn't it, friend? I'm going to ask you, what do you need in your life? Do you need him to heal your marriage? Do you need him to restore a relationship? Do you need healing in your body or do you need healing in your mind? Do you need him to help you with your depression? Maybe there's a resource that you don't have and, and you'd like to ask God if he would give it to you. 
Hey, watch this. God owns the cattle on a thousand hill. Whatever breakthrough that you have need of, friend, bring it to him in prayer. We do not have, the scripture says, because we do not ask God. Now, we're going to pray, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring one more request that someone here may have, and that is maybe you're here this morning and you're not walking with God. Jesus has not been the Lord of your life. Well, I want you to know that you can pray and you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ right now. Can I just tell you that that right there is one prayer that God is eager to answer. You know why? Because God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would be saved. That word saved there in the Greek, sozos, like He wants salvation for us so that we would be made whole, so that we would be made back and brought into right standing with God. Because you see, that's what Jesus' sacrifice on the cross meant. It meant that the shedding of his blood would serve as what we call an atonement or to be at one with God. That's the reason that the temple veil ripped so that we would have access to God. And so if you're here this morning and you're not in relationship with God, now I'm smart enough to recognize that there are many of you in here that you've been in church for quite some time. And so I believe that I'm speaking to two sets of people. I believe that there may be some of you that have truly never given your life to Jesus Christ. But I also believe that there, and I believe it with all my heart, so I can sense it, that there's some of you that like you've been in church throughout your life, but like you're not currently walking with God. Friend, Today is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can be restored, put right back into relationship with God, and start stepping in your God-ordained purpose. But as as we have talked about all throughout this message, we have to pray. We have to confess with our mouth Jesus as the Lord. Believe in our heart that God would raise him from the dead. Then we would be saved. We would be made one with God. We start walking as followers of Jesus Christ. So if that's you, and you say, I want to be at one with God. I I, I, I want to be in right standing, rather, with God. Because I'm not. I'm going to ask you right now. I'm going to ask you a bold step. And say, would you put your hand up? Say, yeah, I do. I want to be be reconciled with God. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, who else? on, if a young person can raise their hand, how about adults? Yeah, oh, there's some up there. Yeah, okay. Who else? Come on, we're going to pray. God's moving on the hearts of some of those people. I believe with all my heart, there's some of you, you've walked away from God. You've strayed away from God. Now's the time to start back. Now's the time to get back and pursue him. And man, watch what God does. Can I tell you, the life in Christ is so much better than the world. I've lived in the world. If the world was better, I would still be living in it. See, here's the thing about God's word. It just just doesn't tell us the right way to live, but the best way to live. And God has the best in store for you. Anyone else? And then we're going to pray. We're going to all confess our need for a Savior out loud. Saints of God, I'm going to ask you to join in with us. But those of you that raised your hand and says, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to be in right standing with God. I want forgiveness of sin. And can I tell you, when you ask for God for forgiveness, it never gets brought up again, friend. I don't care even if you mess up again like down the road. It doesn't bring back the stuff in the past. It's gone. It's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. 
Like he chooses to forgive it, and he never brings it back up again. We're the ones who bring it back up, or the, the enemy brings it back up. Satan does. But if you want to be free, if you want to be forgiven, if you want to know that you have the promise of eternal life in Jesus Christ, pray this prayer out loud with me. Saints of God and those of you that are right now saying, yes, I surrender my heart to God, pray out loud. Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Help me to turn from my sin. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave. Now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known in Jesus' name. Amen. Now join me in prayer, if you would. Father, I thank you, Lord, for allowing your word to encourage and challenge us today pray that today would mark the beginning for many believers to start praying and never stop. May this body of believers be drawn closer and closer to you as they pray. May they see your hand move in supernatural ways. And may they be built up in their most holy faith. God, I ask that Destiny Church would be known as a praying church. And I thank you, God, for all that you've done. But even more so, I thank you that the best is yet to come. And so we thank you in advance for all that you're doing, knowing that you are faithful to complete all that you've begun. Mold us into that city that is set on a hill. Cause a fire to stir in our hearts that will continue to burn brighter and brighter for you, Jesus. For it is your name, your renown, that is the desire of our hearts. So have your way, both in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name.